All right, so today's message is titled, Give and Take. Today's message begins with a question for everybody. What comes to mind when you are asked, what does it mean when someone gives or takes? Think about that for a second. The answer to this question can go in several different directions, depending on how you as a person look at those two actions. We tend to view things in a very different manner compared to others. This is also true when it comes to giving and taking. While our views may be different, we should still have a true understanding of what it means to give and take. The act of giving is derived or comes from the word give. It is defined as to make a present of, to bestow upon, or grant by a formal action, to put into the possession of another, to give. So if we think about that, if we're giving as we should, we are in a sense letting go of something. Everybody agree with that this morning? If we're giving, we're in a sense letting go of something. so that others might gain from it. Because generally when we give something, somebody's going to or something is going to gain from that act of giving. So here's the question for you. Are you giving? Or are you the one that says it's all mine and I don't have to give? We have to be honest with ourselves from time to time when it comes to giving. Because we can. We can be very selfish people. It's mine and I don't want to give it to anybody. So you have to be able to answer that question when it comes to giving. We as people can be very selfish at times, whether it's with our money, our time, our love, food, or even something as simple as this, an ear for somebody to listen or a shoulder to cry on. And again, we're selfish because we have that mentality as people from time to time to say that very thing. It's mine. I don't need, I don't want to give it away. So give or giving. You said the title of the message this morning was give and take. So there's also a take part of this. And when we look at the act of taking, we see that it comes from the word take. And this can mean to get into one's hands or to lay hold of, to grasp, to catch or attack through the effect of a sudden force, or to receive into one's body such as a pill, to obtain by deriving from a source. In other words, to take. 
What we see by definition, there's quite an array of meanings for give and take. It all comes down to what it means to each of us on a personal level. Because the way that Jeff views giving and taking, it might mirror the way Pam sees it, but at the same time, it might be totally opposite of the way Julie sees it. Does that make one of us right and the other wrong? No. It's how you see giving and taking on a personal level. It also comes down to how you implement those two things into your own life. It's often said that we live in a give-and-take world. How many people would agree with that? We do that very thing. It's true to a point, but while it may be true, we need to consider whether we are in the camp of being a giver or a taker. And there's a very distinct difference between the two. Are you a giver or a taker? Perhaps more one so than the other. You can get a little lopsided at times. But more importantly, are we giving and taking for the greater good of others? But that boils down to you and you ask yourself that question, why do I give, why do I take? You have to be willing to humble yourself enough and ask, what are my motives in my giving and taking? Are my motives justified? Or are we just being selfish? In other words, why are you giving and taking? We as people have to be able to answer that question. Today, God wants you to see that he is a God that gives and takes. He wants us to see that there is a very distinct reason for his giving and taking. He doesn't just do things on a whim. There's a method to his madness, if you will, as the old saying goes. He knows exactly what he's up to. But there are very distinct reasons why he's done what he's done as far as giving and taking. Think about this, if we could spend years, not hours, not days, not months, but years studying this very topic as it relates to these two actions. And never, never truly reach an end point. That's to God's giving and taking. He gives and he takes. So knowing that this morning, that we're never truly going to reach that end point, we're never going to even get close to the realm of his giving. And what some of that giving does as far as what that giving takes from us, we're never going to get there. So what we're going to do this morning is spend a little bit of time and go over three very, very important examples of God's giving and taking this morning. Example number one, God gives love. God gives love. Amen? Amen. 
Okay, so here's the thing about that. We all are in agreement this morning that God gives love, right? My question to you, what's the big deal? So what? So God gives love. I give love too. I'm guessing that if I were to take a poll this morning, everybody sitting in the pew this morning could say that very same thing. Each and every one of us gives love at some point in our life, right? I tell my wife that I love her. Here's the kicker to that, though. If you were to ask her, she would probably tell you not as often as I should. (laughs) So, I'm giving love, right? God gives love. Same, same? What do you think? I'm here to tell you this morning, no is the correct answer to that question. Absolutely not. It's not even on the realm of being on the radar in comparison to the love that God gives. And we as believers need to understand that. I also give love by giving of myself to others. There again, you ask that, que- that question. Isn't that just the same as what God's doing? No. No, it's not. It never will be. The love we give or will ever even attempt to give pales in comparison because the love that God gives is so much greater than anything we're ever going to do. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Whoa. See what just happened right there? We're talking about giving and taking this morning and we're talking about the love that God gives. And it says that God so loved the world. The world, that's us. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So hold on a second here. He said God gives love and that love is so strong for us that he gives us the gift of his only son. Think about that. Let that resonate for a little bit. That's a lot to chew on if you happen to be a parent. How many of us truly understand the meaning of love on such a level? That's deep. That's really, really deep. A love so strong for something or someone that here, take it. It's the only one I've got, but it's yours. So we look at that and we say, okay, how do I truly understand that? An even better question is this. How many of us would show that love by giving in the same manner? That's another one you got to think about a little bit, right? 
especially if you only have one? Are you willing to take that same action? Are you going to make that same move that God did? The interesting thing I find about this verse as I was writing this uh, message, and we titled the message, Give and Take. And this is a very, very popular verse. I mean, we, we learned this verse as little kids. Coming up through Sunday school and all that business, and now you get to the point where we're at as an adult, and you begin to take that very verse and you dissect it and you think about it and all the things that you can glean from that very verse. Did you notice in John 3.16 that he gave us three things in one verse? One piece of scripture and he gave us three things. He gave us his love. He gave us his son. And he gave us eternal life. So we haven't even hardly rounded the corner this morning and we can already see just how giving a God we have. So in looking at the love that God gives and trying to understand what love is and get a grasp control of what that is an individual in scripture that can help us do that is the apostle Paul he gives an excellent description of what love is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that particular book of the Bible is often referred to as the love chapter of the Bible tells us what love is as well as what love isn't how it's not puffed up, it doesn't boast, things of this nature. So if we understand Paul and his explanation of love, we must also come to the question that's on the table. How many of us can or are even willing to give love in the manner in which God did? And there again, the answer to that question this morning is none. None of us. Why? Because there is no love greater than the love of God. You will never get there. Try if you will, but I'm going to stand before you this morning and thank the Almighty above that it's not going to happen. Because there is no greater love. So God gives love this morning. When we talk about that subject, I'm going to get on a personal level here with you a little bit this morning as it relates to that subject. I'm one of those people that have struggled with that for years. I'm not ashamed to say that. The interesting thing is that, guess what? I still do at times. But that's okay. That's okay because what covers that? The love of God. But it's through that struggle that I've gone through and I still go through from time to time 
I thank the very God that we worship on a daily basis or that we should be worshiping every day that He's there to carry me through that struggle. So just know this, ladies and gentlemen, if you are, in fact, struggling with love, what it is, how to go about it, yep, go talk to somebody. But at the end of the day, you best be talking to God because that's where your true love is going to come from. Thankfully, we have a God as Christians that is a giving God and the love that he gives has no limits. That well is never going to run dry. That love's always going to be there. No matter how much you stumble, no matter how much you struggle, he still loves you. I had a co-worker of mine this past week. We were in conversation and that subject got brought up at work. And the co-worker made the statement to me, God must really hate me right now. We've all been in that place before, right? We've all felt that because we've done this or things aren't going our way. Things aren't happening the way that we, we think they should be happening. And God doesn't love me anymore. That is the farthest thing from the truth. Because God will always love you no matter how far off the path you get. So just remember this this morning. God gives love. How do we know that? That love is most evident through the gift and the giving of his son. And again, I ask the question, how many would be willing to take such an action and give up your child? I didn't see nobody's hand going in the air. Interesting. Here's the neat thing about that, though, guys. A child, as all of you hopefully know, is the greatest gift that God's ever going to give you. Amen? And God never, never intended for you to give that gift away. That's probably why it makes it so hard when the question's raised as to would you? Could you? That answer is always going to be no, I'm guessing. But here's the neat thing, though praise Him that He did. Praise Him that He did. He gave His Son. And through that, because of the giving, it took away something also. Give and take, right? God gave His Son to take away your sin debt. As well as mine. Sin, which entangles us almost on a constant basis we as people seem to love sin based on some of our actions we choose not to see sin for just what it is at times 
We don't see the wrong in such things uh, like lying, murder, stealing, gossiping, or maybe even sexual immorality. Nothing wrong with that. I can cover that base. I'm good. We don't see that as sin, and that's exactly what those things are. Sin takes on several different forms, and just like if you were to purchase any item, there is a payment for that item, right? The same holds true for our sin. But, this is a pretty cool but, if you ask me. That debt has already been paid. Amen? That debt has been paid. There's nothing you're ever going to do. No works you're ever going to accomplish. There's nothing that needs to be paid anymore because of the love of God. The love that he gave covered that debt. He took away that debt by giving you his love. The interesting thing about that gift, that very gift is there for the taking for each and every one of us. All we got to do is believe. That's it. All we have to do is believe. So God gives love. Example number two this morning of God's giving. God gives grace. The book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by the grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. So example number two is yet another way that God shows that he is a giving God. God gives grace. The interesting thing about grace is this. It's a gift that none of us, none of us truly deserve. There again, that's another one of those aspects you need to truly try to wrap your mind around it. Wait a minute. He's giving it, but you're standing there telling me this morning that I don't truly deserve it. I tell you that because it's a fact. We don't deserve God's grace. And grace is something we often look at as being entitled to. Would you agree with that this morning? There's times where we get so full of ourselves and, yep, that's mine. Bring that here. I earned that. It's not how God's grace works. It's not an entitlement. He literally gave, gave you his grace. And just like God's love, there's not a thing you're going to do now in the future or that you've done in the past that ever got you to the point that entitled you 
to that grace. It was freely given. Freely given. Here's what some of it looks like when we get full of ourselves at times as we think about this grace thing. Well, if you cared about me, you would show that by giving me a little bit of grace. Put a little bit of your grace upon me, God. If you cared about me, that's exactly what you'd do. That's how we'd cover that base, God. I don't always get it right, and I'm not perfect, so a little grace would go a long way. How many of us have thought that from time to time? Because we don't always get it right, right? But that's not what God's grace is about. But you know, if you were to do that, though, God, you'd show me by your grace that you understand exactly where I'm at. You understand exactly what's going on. Uh Uh-uh. That's not what God's grace is all about. Grace is defined as an unmerited assistance given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification. It is freely given by God. And in no way No way, shape, or form is it an entitlement to us. Because of that very fact, it's freely given. So go ahead and ask yourself the question, well, why not look at it as an entitlement? Why shouldn't we do that? Here's why. Because as it's already been mentioned the gift of grace, we as people don't truly deserve it. We do not truly deserve God's grace because of that thing that uh, has a tendency to control our lives from time to time. That sin thing, right? So looking at that verse, Ephesians 2.8, it says we are being saved by this thing called grace. Well, that's good to know, right? Here's the important question, though. What does God's grace have anything to do with saving us? Or maybe here's an even better question for you. I'm going to back the bus up just a second. It says that we are being saved by God's grace. And we back that bus up and here's the question that we come to. Saved from what? What's God's grace saving me from? What's God's grace saving you from this morning? I 
How's this for starters? How about the fact that of, because of the fact of his grace, he takes away a life filled with constant worry. He takes away a life filled with grief. Because of his grace, he takes away a life filled with unimaginable pain. Or how about this one? Because of God's grace that he gives, you and I are saved from an eternal death in a lake of fire. Amen? And if there doesn't nothing resonate out of this message this morning, I certainly pray that that right there resonates with each and every one of us this morning. Because of God's grace, we are saved from that eternal death in that lake of fire. So I don't know about any of you guys, but I, I know for a fact, and I can speak to the fact that my father can also speak, speak to this this morning. How many of you have ever gotten burned before? Not a good feeling, is it? It hurts. And I ask that question for a very specific reason, based on what we just spoke to. God's grace saves you from an eternal death and a lake of fire. That's not going to be a pleasant feeling. So here's the thing, to know that an eternal death and a lake of fire awaits us, if not for the grace of God, that should make each and every one of us think twice as to just how impacting that gift should be. That should give you cause to take pause and stop and think about that gift that he gave. Because God's grace took away our sin debt and the punishment that we deserve because of that sin. So God gives love and God gives grace. Knowing that very fact, some see God's grace as a get out of hell free card. That's true. There are people in the world that have that very mindset. Well, God's grace covers every sin I'm ever going to commit. Guess what? I'm free to go. I can do what I want, when I want, and how I want. Because I got the gift of God's grace. Let me tell you something this morning. That way of thinking... He's like what I like to refer to as nothing more than stinking thinking. Because that ain't so, folks. That's not what God's grace is all about. Romans 5, verses 20 through 21, it says this, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but when sin abounded, grace abounded even more. So what's Paul saying there? 
you can go out and do whatever it is you think you're going to do, whatever it is you think you need to do in the concept or aspect of sin if you want. But thank God, thank God His gift of grace is much more powerful. It's going to cover that sin. verse also goes on to say this, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's break that down a little bit. Put it in plain English so people like you and I can understand it, right? What's going on here? As I just said, God's grace is way, way stronger than the sin that runs rampant in our lives. And here's the neat thing about that grace. Because of that grace, He provides a path to eternal life through His Son. But we come to another question. And we all have to answer that question. that question is this will I accept this gift from God you got to be able to answer that and that's all you have to simply do is accept the gift the gift of God's love the gift of God's grace it's there for the taking all you have to do is accept it as I've said before God's grace and that grace is freely given. He's like His love, His grace takes away a debt you nor I could ever repay without it. So that's something else to step, step back and maybe chew on a little bit this morning as we look at grace and we think about what grace truly is and how it should be impacting our lives. Could you imagine living a life that doesn't consist of God's love? And it doesn't consist of God's grace. Think of the circumstances to come with the lack of those two items. Anybody getting a little nervous yet? We should be. That's how impacting those two gifts that we've spoke about to this point. That's how impacting they should be in your lives. We should truly understand the dynamic that without those two gifts, we are and will forever be truly lost. So example number three as it relates to God's giving. God gives hope. God gives hope. When we as people think of hope, we tend to put that hope in a lot of the wrong stuff. Right? We go places and we get to areas that we shouldn't be where we put our hope in. Things like uh, 
Man, I hope I make enough money this week. Boy, I sure hope I don't get sick today. Or, man, I hope I have tons of friends in life. Or maybe it's that mansion on a hill. Maybe that's where your hope lies this morning. While these and any other physical hope we have might seem like they can or will cover all our needs, the truth is they just can't. They're never going to. They won't. Why? Because we put our hope in the wrong place. If we look at hope in a spiritual sense instead of a physical, hopefully we see just how great the hope is that God gives. And that's where we tend to fall short more often than not. We don't look at hope in a spiritual sense. We live in the right here and now. Man, I hope I got a decent paycheck this week. Man, I hope I can cover that bill. But if we switch gears and we think about it in that spiritual sense, you're going to find and you should be able to see just how great that gift of hope is from God that He gives. In the book of John, chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, it says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to pre prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And that where I am, you may be also. Wow. I go to prepare a place for you. Not only does God give us hope in this passage of a better place, because it's, it's kind of a crazy world we're living in right now, right? There's a lot of crazy things going on. And you know, Scripture goes on in various areas and tells us what heaven's going to be, what heaven's going to look like. And I don't know about you guys this morning, but I do. I, I sit from time to time and I contemplate that. And you can't even begin to fathom and imagine just how beautiful that's going to be. But he's specifically telling us right here in the book of John that he's going. He goes to prepare a better place. Put your hope in that. Put your hope in that this morning. Because that place is being prepared by His Son. And what you can rest even better hope on is this. He says, I go to prepare a place for you and that where I am you may be also. So what's He saying there? He's coming back. He's going to keep His promise. 
What better thing to put your hope in? He's coming back for us. He's preparing a place where there is or will be no more tears, no more sorrow, and no more pain. You can find that in Revelations 21 and verse 4. And we should see this morning that because there is hope in Christ, that very hope, that very hope in and of itself is what's going to take away your tears. Take away your sorrow. Take away your pain. Put your hope in the right place this morning. Because there again, we've covered quite a few questions this morning and I'm not done. I've got another one for you. The question you have to ask yourself is where does my hope come from? Does my hope come from or rest in material things? Or do I put my hope in that which I can't see or perhaps even fully understand? Because if you're thinking spiritually as it relates to hope, that's exactly what should be going on in your lives. You should be placing that hope in things that you can't see. Because I don't know about any of you sitting here this morning. I'm not going to say that it hasn't happened and it can happen because I'm not the all-knowing. But I can stand before you this morning and tell you that I've never seen Jesus face to face. So where do I put my hope? I put my hope in the fact that he's coming back for me. I try to live on a spiritual sense, not a physical sense as it relates to hope. That's going to get you a lot further down the road of life, folks. Think spiritually and not physically. The Apostle Paul also speaks of a hope of eternal life in which God promised before time even began. He speaks of this hope in the book of Titus, chapter 1 and verse 2. And he also tells us in the book of Romans in chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, that faith, faith can produce hope. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hopes of the glory of God. And not only that, but also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulations produce perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It's 
so if you're looking this morning for a truer example of God's giving, I just gave it to you right there. The gift or the giving of the Holy Spirit. That spirit which lives in each and every one of us as a believer. So here's the thing as it relates to this thing we call life. It's not easy to be a Christian, is it? Get beat up from time to time because of that very fact, right? It happens. If you're living the Christian life that you should, it happens. If it's not, or it doesn't, you might want to question that. Because if you're living a life as a Christian, you are going to suffer tribulation. You are going to suffer persecution. (coughs) When that does happen, when those events take place in life, you've got to be willing to ask yourself, am I going to step up to the plate? Am I going to fight the good fight? Or am I going to wallow in the muck and mire of my life? If we choose perseverance, we build character. So hopefully we're choosing perseverance because when we build character, we build hope. Hope that is true and perfect because of what we hope in. And because of who gives us that hope. Hopefully we all know that that hope comes from God. So as I close up this morning, I'm going to ask one last question. Do you... Take this as a specific this morning because that's the way it's intended. Do you ask this question on a very personal level. Do you have that hope within you? Because of the awesome love and the grace that God has given us. Do you have that hope within you? Let's pray.